was happening? A good Thursday to all of you. Thanks for joining us as always. It is very much appreciated. The quarterback nightmare has come to an end, at least for now. We'll get to that in a minute. I also remind you, Phil Perry will be joining us in just a few minutes as well. Very excited to talk to Phil. First, though, let me remind you that we're going live starting on Monday, December 4th, every weekday right here on YouTube at 11 a.m. Eastern. Sharp, 11 a.m. right here live on YouTube, Monday through Friday, Nick Cattle Show. Give us that thumbs up. Every like counts. It matters. It means a lot. Give us that thumbs up. Like that announcement. Like our interview with Phil as we go through stuff here in New England with uh, the senator. But give us that thumbs up, comment, and subscribe. Okay, so Bailey Zappi looks like he's going to be QB1. He'll be starting this weekend against the Chargers. He's getting the majority of the reps at QB1 this week. He's going to be at the podium today. So that tells us he is going to start this game against the Chargers unless he suffers an unfortunate injury. So the senseless quarterback shuffle that we discussed on yesterday's program is painfully over for now. And I say for now because I'm not sure how long this is going to last. If if Zappi is a disaster, you move on to somebody else. We'll get to that somebody else in a minute. But this is the right move. Mac is broken. We've talked about it. He was not good last week against the Giants. I thought Zappi should have started that game last weekend. For whatever reason, Belichick stuck. With Mac Jones, it looks like that was his last shot at keeping his job. He failed to do so. And this is, I think, out of necessity and not necessarily out of desire. Let's not forget that the Patriots, they got rid of Bailey Zappi at the beginning of this year. They did not like him enough to keep him on the roster. They decided to cut him, let him walk. He could have gone anywhere else. Let's also remember that even after Germany and what we saw, Belichick still did not want to start Zappi. So this is out of necessity and not desire. You've got a broken QB1. You get him off the field finally, and you go to the next guy in line. And with this quarterback room, that next guy in line is Zappi. The other part of what's happening at practice this week that I find interesting is that Malik Cunningham is getting quarterback reps as the number two guy, which I like. You know, people have asked me about Malik Cunningham, and I said, he's not going to play. He's not going to play quarterback. They're they're practicing with him as a wide receiver. They're developing him at that position. They also cut him a month, month and a half ago. I mean, if you're cutting a guy a month, month and a half ago, you don't necessarily believe that he's going to be an answer at quarterback, whether that's QB one, two, three, four, or five. But you bring him back. You're in desperation mode because this quarterback room is so bad. You you start Zappy this weekend correctly against the Chargers. Chargers not good defensively. So you start Zappy, and you start giving some reps to Cunningham because you cut Will Greer late last week. So you weren't afraid of losing Greer either. So you're trying to make the best out of a terrible situation. You start Zappy. And you begin giving some reps to Cunningham at quarterback. So if you have to go to that young man, he's actually prepared and isn't getting thrown in in the deep end. And you're saying, good luck. Good luck, Malik. That would not be fair to him. So I'm glad they're starting to give Malik Cunningham some legit actual quarterback reps at practice. So if he is called upon, he has at least a slight chance of surviving. Because when they threw him out there in Vegas, he looked like he was lost. The handful of snaps he played, he just looked like he was lost. So I'm okay with this plan. 
But we all have to acknowledge, recognize, and appreciate that this is out of desperation. Now, as far as Zappi goes, his history is that he is much better when he gets the full week of reps and starts a game versus when he's thrown into the middle of it. His yards per attempt are almost double. His touchdowns are up. His picks are down. His completion percentage is in a different world. So we'll see if Zappi, with the compliment of, of Malik Cunningham at practice, which is probably, what, a 20% compliment at the most, we'll see if Zappi getting these reps, if that's going to impact the way he plays. He's going to have a full week to prepare, which is fair to him. He's going to go to the podium today and speak to the media. The team is going to look at him as the starting quarterback going into this weekend. Thankfully, unlike last week, which was a bleep show, we've talked about it. And we'll see if that impacts Bailey's performance and he's improved. We'll see. I'm not, you know, he's still a young guy. I don't believe he's a starting NFL quarterback. He was drafted as a backup quarterback. I think most of the league sees him as a backup quarterback at best, which is why he wasn't scooped up when he was released before this season. But I'm not going to write somebody off. It'd be a great story if Zappi ends up going on a run late this year as far as they don't win many games. <laughs> It'd be a great story individually. Wouldn't necessarily be great for the team if they rattle off you know, four or five wins here at the end of a season. And Zappi is in a decent spot. Considering the circumstances, the offensive line still has some issues. The receivers still have some issues. Gasicki doesn't know what route to run. We all understand that. But as far as what Zappi can control, he's in a pretty good spot. He's going to get the reps this week, as we just talked about, and he's playing against a terrible Chargers defense. The run defense is bad. I think this should be a pretty big Stevenson and Ezekiel Elliott week. I thought that should have been the case last week. We went through that. Don't understand the first half play calling. But, you know, against this Chargers defense, especially without Joey Bosa, one of their best players, there's going to be some opportunity there. Now, whether or not Bill O'Brien and Belichick decide to be aggressive with Zappi, that's another question that I have. Last week, we saw what happened. They weren't ultra aggressive with Mac in the first half. Zappi comes in in the second half. They were way less aggressive with Zappi than they were with Mac Jones. So, you know, how will they approach this game on Sunday? Will they give Zappi a chance of throwing the football down the field? He had like three throws last week that were beyond five yards or whatever it was. And he was 0 of 3, and one of them was a pick. So how aggressive will they be? Is this going to be a very vanilla offensive game plan, even against this bad defense? Will they run the football 55 times? Will they ask Zappi to throw down the field more than 10 yards, more than a handful of occasions? We'll have to see. And as far as Zappi's leash, I'm going to give him three weeks. Unless he's an absolute disaster puking on himself, throwing five interceptions, I'm going to give him three weeks. He's obviously starting this weekend. You've got the short week against Pittsburgh. You play on Thursday night, a week from tonight. So I don't think you want to go back to the quarterback shuffle when you have a short week. That would be a nightmare. That'd be a disaster. So I think Zappi gets this weekend. Zappi gets Thursday night football against Pittsburgh. And then you play Kansas City. And I don't think Belichick will start Cunningham or Mac Jones against Kansas City. Again, unless Zappi is just indescribably terrible. I don't think that's going to happen. So I think Zappi will get three weeks. We'll evaluate. We'll see how he looks, and we'll go from there. All right, let's get to our interview with Phil Perry from NBC Sports Boston. I have been waiting for a while 
to speak to uh, to Phil. He's one of my favorites in the Boston media. So let's get to it right now. Myself, Phil Perry, talking Patriots football. Here he is, the man, the myth, the legend. His name is Phil Perry, called the senator in some places, NBC Sports Boston. Phil, uh, just a pleasure, man, to catch up with you. I've always enjoyed your work, and it's it's great to talk to you for the first time in a few years. I think the last time I remember seeing you was in the uh, studio of Zolak and Bertrand years ago. So it's it's good stuff to uh, see you again, my man. Yeah, it's been a while. Right back at you in terms of appreciating your work. So thanks for having me on here, man. All right, let's get into the Patriots, this awful, awful team we're all suffering watching on Sundays. Uh, let's talk about Bailey Zappi, Phil. So reasonable expectations for Zappi after getting the week, it seems, of the majority of the starter reps, and he's playing a Chargers defense on Sunday that hasn't been very good and is without Joey Bosa. I would say reasonable expectations are that he can manage the thing, and it might be a thing, Nick, that looks like the Buffalo windstorm game plan. Oof. Like, it, I really believe that that's what they should try to do if they're trying to win the game. Now, if they want to see what they have in Bailey Zappi, it should look much differently than that. It should look much differently than it looked just a week ago at MetLife against the Giants. That was not an NFL passing game, what the Patriots no. ran with Bailey Zappi. That was screens, that was look passes or now passes where you can see the corners 10 yards off the receiver. You get the snap, you immediately throw it out there because it's easy access. It's five or six yards. Behind the line of scrimmage, directly sideways, like you can't live like that in the NFL. And you can't live like that even as a backup. And so if they want to find out if he's a true number two, you have to give him a little bit more. And I'm not expecting this to be, you know, air core yell sort of air it out type of passing right. attack against right. the chargers. But can it be at least what they have done in recent weeks for Mac Jones? I mean, 2.3 yards down the field was Zappi's average depth of target on Sunday. That is a joke. You know, Mac Jones, even though the offense he was running, wasn't all that much more complicated, right? It was still about double that. So give him a little bit more, see what he can do. If you want to try to, find out what you have if you want to try to develop him quote unquote a little bit but if you're just trying to win the game i'm leaning on Ramondre stevenson and ezekiel elliott how long's the leash phil for zappy you think i think it's fairly long i, I think what they might have ready for malik cunningham would be a, a package of plays i would hope nick just as somebody who wants to see something that might be a little bit more entertaining i would hope it's more than what they gave him against the raiders which i believe was three offensive snaps yeah, and one of them, I think he started behind center, but ended up aligning way out wide as a receiver. And they ran <laughs> at the goal line and punched it in. And he just stood there and did nothing like so. Give him a little bit more than that. But but my guess is they have a package of plays ready to go for Malik Cunningham. Maybe he plays a half dozen snaps. Maybe it's more than that. Maybe it's less. But my guess is and I've heard. Scott Zolak talked about this, and he's been in Zappi's shoes before as a backup who's, who's been waiting for an opportunity yeah. to start and get real reps. Yep. You know, if you really want to find out what you have in him, give him the reps in practice, give him the reps in the game too. And unless it's a complete disaster, it's an utter meltdown, it's five picks in the first half, give him the majority of the work this week and maybe even next week. And if it's still a mess, then maybe you turn it over full time to Malik if you think he could do it. Phil Perry with us here on the pod. Phil. Uh, Cam Newton, let's jump to this story about, you know, Bill Belichick's future. We're all talking about it. You're talking about it. I'm talking about it. Karen's talking about it. So Cam says on his fourth and one YouTube series that knowing what he knows, 
Panthers owner David Tepper uh, wants to land Bill Belichick as his next guy. How much sense do you think that would actually make for Bill, his point of view? In my opinion, zero. Number one, you're working for an owner who, yeah, he might give you the world in terms of salary and in terms of power over the organization, personnel decisions, head coaching decisions. That's all well and good. You ain't winning many games in Carolina next year. No, it, it might be a couple of years before that's a pretty good team. And Bill Belichick's about to be 72 years old. So if I'm Bill, my priority is to go somewhere where I can win a significant number of games right away. And most teams that are looking for new head coaches don't offer you that opportunity. There might be a couple that do, though, this offseason. One of them is the team the Patriots are about to play with the Chargers. I'm looking at Buffalo if I'm Bill Belichick. And if Sean McDermott gets blown out of Buffalo because they are disappointing right now, and who knows how their season ends. Would Kraft allow that, Phil? Would Kraft allow Belichick to go to Buffalo? I'm not sure how much say Kraft is going to have in all this, Nick, because unless he wants Bill Belichick to coach the team again next year, I don't know what his leverage is. And I'm fairly confident he does not want Bill Belichick to coach the team next year as things stand right now. He is under contract, but you're going to hold on to him and and tell him he can't be on the sidelines. You're going to hold on to him and tell him he can't control what is maybe the most important offseason of Robert Kraft's tenure as owner of the New England Patriots. You're going to cut off your nose to spite your face that way. Well, I don't want you going to Buffalo. So yeah, you can, you can just run the show for one more year and yeah, use that top five draft pick and yeah, use the hundred million in cash space. And I don't even know if I want you coaching in 2025 and beyond, but just go ahead and do all that stuff for, for, for us now, Bill, because I can't stand the sight of you in Buffalo. Could he force him to sit though? Could he say, obviously he would have to pay a salary, which is a hefty amount. But if, if things got to be that tough between the two, and Belichick's like, hey, I want to go to Buffalo. And Kraft says, I'm not letting you walk to a, a division rival. I saw what happened with the Jets and us. I'm not allowing that. Would, would Kraft, do you think, would Kraft at that point say, well, I'm just going to I'm gonna sit you down. You can stay on contract. We'll keep you on retainer. You can become an advisor, and we'll, I'll pay you for the next year, and you can enjoy the suite. Yeah, so that's a good question. Honestly, Nick, I don't know because I don't know the details of Bill Belichick's contract. Right, right. But if if Robert Kraft takes away head coaching responsibility and takes away control of the 53, that to me, I would assume it would be a breach of contract. And then Bill Belichick not only has to be allowed to go somewhere else, but he also has to be paid. And so that's right. to me what, what makes the Chargers interesting because anybody that looks at the Chargers and says, Dean Spanos is still the owner there, Perry. What are you talking about? Belichick going to the Chargers. He's never going to pay Bill Belichick. He wouldn't pay Sean Payton. He's not going to pay top of the market for head coach. He might not have to. Bill Belichick is fired here by the Patriots, and the Patriots are on the hook for his salary in 2024, and our Tom Curran has reported that he is under contract for 2024. Then the Spanos family, all they have to do is pay him something commensurate with a head coach's salary, and then the Crafts make up the difference. And I think there's part of Bill Belichick that would be tickled by that thought. Oh, I could go somewhere with a great quarterback and maybe win, who knows, double-digit games next year. I know it's a tough division with Patrick Mahomes, but you know, maybe I could win 10 games right away with that guy. And the crafts are paying the bulk of my salary to do it somewhere else. I, I you know, I don't know how Bill Belichick is going to want this to end here in New England, but based on what we know of him as maybe the world's greatest grudge holder, Nick, uh, I, I think the idea of the of the crafts paying him to go work somewhere else uh, might be fairly enticing. Yeah, Bill's been known to have a hair across his tuchus every once in a while. He's the Senator Phil Perry, Nick Cattle Show Pod you're listening to or watching on YouTube. By the way, quickly, if you're watching on YouTube, if you don't like me, 
cool. That's fine. I get it. But everybody likes Phil. So give us that thumbs up. More thumbs means more eyeballs. That's how YouTube works. It is what it is. So click that like button if you enjoy me or Phil or both. Uh, all right, let's talk about the next guy, Phil. You have said, I've seen you really all over the place. You are a very popular man. Uh, that Gerard Mayo is likely going to be the next head coach. You feel that way. Uh, but can anything happen, Phil, over the final six games that could actually change that plan? Sure. Uh, now, could anything happen from a football perspective? That would surprise me. And it would surprise me if anything happened off the field that the crafts would say, hey, you know, Gerard, we, we actually we feel like we should do it a different way maybe. I just think the relationship there is too strong. I mean, the Robert Kraft and Gerard Mayo have been very close since Gerard's days as a player. Uh, and they've been very close even before he returned to coach for the team and obviously since he's been coaching on the staff since 2019. So it's hard for me to envision a scenario, but in just the same way I have said when people have asked me, well, would, would the Crafts ever fire Bill Belichick in season? I've always said no, and I, I still feel that way, but I would never say 100% to anything because right, right. you never know what could happen. So if the Patriots' defense, even if it falls off, Nick, I really, I think they made a commitment. I know they made a commitment to Gerard Mayo last year in terms of ensuring that he would not go and take a head coaching interview in Carolina and maybe good move by Gerard Mayo based on how things have gone <laughs> for Frank Reich down there. Um, and Robert Kraft's been very open about how he views Gerard Mayo long-term and that that he is head coaching material now can they guarantee him the spot you know what gets communicated what's in writing what's not um that would would all be very interesting to know but I, I really truly believe that that he's the next guy even though he's a Bill Belichick guy I just think they see it and I agree with this in such a way that they understand Gerard Mayo's his own guy and this right. would be different than having Josh McDaniels take over or Matt Patricia take over or any other of his longtime assistants Gerard Mayo is going to handle things very differently. And I think it would be a mistake to assume that just because he played for Bill Belichick, he coached under Bill Belichick, and he hasn't really been anywhere else in pro football, that he shares a brain with Bill Belichick in terms of how an organization should be run, how a roster should be constructed. I think that would be a mistake. He's going to have a lot of his own ideas. I've said this on the podcast. I'm not a big fan of the guilt by association. Just because somebody works with somebody doesn't mean they're going to be a carbon copy of that person. And I brought up on the pod, Phil, about a week or two ago, that why don't we look at this the other way? Why don't we look at this as Gerard Mayo is witnessing this, this bleep show and he's keeping notes, He's whether they're actual notes or mental notes, and he's saying, okay, I'm not going to do that because that worked out terribly. Okay, that's a fail. That and, and maybe Gerard's actually learning from the last couple of years of what Bill has done wrong and will attack this completely different. With all of that said, if it is Mayo, if Belichick's out the door, how much of this staff comes back with Mayo? It's a great question because my guess is if Belichick goes, the other two Belichicks on the staff go with him. Yeah. That's a guess. Now, I would add this. Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo are really close. They're very close in age, and they sort of have come up together in the coaching ranks. You know, when Gerard Mayo was injured late in his career and Steve Belichick was just getting started as a coach, they would spend hours, hours together watching film and mm. talking ball. And they forged a really tight relationship in those hours, in those dark rooms. 
And, you know, Steve Belichick's got a family here too. And say Bill Belichick goes to LA, is it a lock that Steve goes with his dad? Or does he choose to stay and coach with his friend, Gerard Mayo? That would be really, that would be really, really interesting just to see how that all shakes out. I think the defensive staff, again, maybe outside of the Belichick's, but I think the defensive staff for the most part would be safe. I think Gerard Mayo likes the way his defense has performed. I think he likes the way the rest of that staff has operated. And he has been, I think it's important to point out, he's essentially the defensive coordinator. Yeah. He doesn't call the plays. That's something Steve Belichick does. But he runs the meetings. It is it is very clear to me, uh, based on what I've heard from a variety of different locations, that, that he is the leader of that defense on the coaching staff. So I think the coaching staff would be safe on the defensive side. And I think Bill O'Brien would be safe. And that might be just as much a craft family decision as it would be a Gerard Mayo decision. Again, another guy they committed to a year ago and somebody who, even though a good chunk of the offense may be blown out, at least would provide some consistency on that side of the ball, which obviously they've been lacking the last several years. Somebody that's really respected by the crafts. And I think they think he has plenty of ability there, even though the offense has been as abysmal as it's been. So I could envision a scenario, and this is what I would put my money on if I had to make a bet on it, Nick, is that Mayo's back as head coach. Bill O'Brien is back as offensive coordinator. A good wow. chunk of the defensive staff is back, and that is a lot of consistency <laughs> wow. for a team that's 2-9 and nine right now and trending yeah, toward right. the top three draft pick. Is that what you would do? I honestly, I would keep Mayo because I think they think, I think the Crafts think, and I agree with this. I think he has the potential to be excellent as a head coach based on the respect that he'll command from day one as a former player. That's another thing that he has going for him that other Belichick assistants have not over the years. And so he understands how to relate to these players, especially a different generation of player. I'm going to stick with Gerard Mayo if I'm Robert Kraft and I, and I would do that as far as Bill O'Brien is concerned. I think again, I think he's been so hamstrung by the personnel. You know, we're talking about all the screens and the sideways passes. Is that what he wants to do? Of course not. He doesn't. That's not how he wants to run an offense. But the personnel has has let him down, and I think he's trying to coach around that. Would I love to have a Shanahan tree guy? Somebody who's a little bit younger, maybe a little bit more uh, open to new ideas. Somebody who's going to really leverage things like motion at the snap and unique cutting-edge sorts of formations and is really going to be all-in invested on getting next-level athletes to play the positions that you need to play in that scheme? Uh, yes, I would. But I don't know if that guy's out there. I, you know, if, if you're telling me you could get Ben Johnson and replace Bill O'Brien with Ben Johnson, I, I might try to do that, but he's going to be a head coach. Yeah. So I'm I'm actually okay with the O'Brien-Mayo-led thing because I, I just think these guys are not Bill. And, and I think... That's what you're looking for is change, and I think they would represent change. I think they've been good soldiers this year working under Bill Nick, but I think once they're given a little bit more power, once that is sort of lifted off of everyone's shoulders, Bill's presence is just sort of lifted off of Gillette Stadium and the facilities there, I think you're going to see things change significantly because he he does still have so much power there. And with the Shanahan stuff, you do have to inevitably ask the question, how deep is that well? I mean, you've got Mike McDaniel – who took some of the staff down to Miami. And then you've got D'Amico Ryans, who took some of the staff, including Bobby Slowick. And now Slowick looks like a star with C.J. Stroud. You know, that's a lot of turnover with the Shanahan staff. 
and you know, McVay's had his people thrown out there, the O'Connell's and everything. I mean, there's so many guys in the league now that are running their own program from that initial program. When's it run dry? I think that's a question you've got to ask. Phil Perry with us, NBC Sports Boston. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up, like, comment, and subscribe. Subscriptions are great as well. Just two more for Phil, and I could sit here and talk for an hour with Phil, and I'm sure all of you would love that. But just two more for you, Phil. I want to kind of move to the front office and the personnel side now. I've heard you mention Adam Peters from San Francisco. I worked in Sacramento for a year and a half. I have a pretty good understanding of the San Francisco program. I know that, you know, he was teetering on leaving or not last year, decided to stay. He's still there. If it's not Peters, could we see the Patriots actually bring someone back like a Thomas Dimitrov, who was not necessarily a yes man to Belichick when he was here in New England? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I I think it's uh, really important to understand whenever this starts to happen and these wheels start turning. How does Robert Kraft want the hierarchy structured? Because if you want Sherrod Mayo to be his next head coach, is the guy who's running the roster going to be working for him? Or is Gerard Mayo going to have to be open to whoever gets brought in? Say right. it's Adam Peters, who in my opinion is going to be the number one new GM candidate on the market. Is he going to be told, hey, Gerard, you're our guy when it comes to the head coaching stuff. But this guy's really experienced. He's coming from a front office that's had a lot of success. Of late, he apparently, Nick, and you would probably know this better than me, but he apparently had a big say in especially some of the later round draft picks that the Niners have hit on over the you know, recent past. So are you telling Gerard Mayo, yes, you're our guy and you're replacing Bill Belichick and those are big shoes to fill, but you're going to have to be okay with the players that are handed to you by general manager X. Right. I don't know. I, I, I honestly do not know how that's going to go. Now, I do think Gerard Mayo is going to be somebody who's open to collaboration, and he's somebody who I think one of his strengths is understanding that which he does not know. And so as somebody who has very little personnel experience, is he going to want to have say in terms of how the thing gets built? And and would he have liked to have a say in terms of uh, how the draft went this past year? Probably. But I also think he would be willing to take a step back to somebody like that if that's who the crafts end up going with. But that's important to me and, and will be important to them, I'm sure, is who is the boss? <laughs> Who's got control <laughs> of the 53? You know, the, it's really right. interesting how it works in certain places like San Francisco, right? Kyle Shanahan's the head coach, but he controls the 53. Yeah. You know, in Houston, you just referenced Houston, it, another interesting but different scenario there. Nick Casario controls the 53 and D'Amico Ryan's is the head coach. So can they work together? Can you figure out which, which blueprint do you want to attack? Is it the Houston blueprint? Is it San Francisco? Is it something different? Is it the new England blueprint and Gerard Mayo controls it all? That would surprise me. Um, so Dimitrov to me would be interesting just because he's held that job before. And it would be hard for me to envision a scenario where he would be willing to come into a place and take orders from Gerard Mayo. Yeah. <laughs> right. A guy that, that was drafted while he was in the front office here. I believe. Right. Um, so whether it's Dimitrov, you know, Pioli, like any of these Belichick connected guys, even if they are, like you said, not necessarily yes men or were, were not necessarily yes men to bill. I think they would want to go in a different, a little bit different direction. Now, does that mean, they would say no to somebody like Elliot Wolf, Nick, who has a lot of front office experience, has been working here under Bill, but 
because he's been other places, I think has different ideas than Bill and would probably have a different approach to the draft, a different approach to free agency, maybe even a different approach to, to grading players, which I think probably needs an overhaul in a system where Cole Strange is deemed a first-round pick and Tyco <laughs> Thornton is deemed worthy of a trade-up in the second round. Like you got to get this grading system tweaked because it, it apparently isn't working out consistently enough. So I would I would be surprised to see a Patriots connected person unless it's a wolf or somebody else who's been a variety of different places and you could say he's not really Belichick tree guy even if he worked under Bill he's got other ideas that are going to help us advance our roster it's a dangerous plan my man that you're laying out I mean if we're if we got a Mayo who's going to be head coach O'Brien coming back as OC maybe Steve Belichick as defensive coordinator Elliot Wolf in the same front office being promoted as the GM that would blow people away, wouldn't it? They better get it right. That's all I'll say. All right, 30 wow. seconds. I got one more for you. It's a draft question. I know you're a big draft guy. I love watching all your draft coverage when we get closer to the, that part of the year. Um, if the Patriots are in the position to draft either Caleb Williams or Drake May, is there any way that they say no thank you and move to offensive tackle or wide receiver at the top of that draft? Hard to say without knowing who's pulling the trigger on the draft pick, but of course, in my opinion, you can't say no to one of these quarterbacks at the top of the draft if totally one agree. of them falls to you. Totally agree. You just aren't going to have that opportunity every year, especially in a draft class where it looks like there are two lottery tickets at that position at the top of the draft. So even if the rest of your team isn't suited right now to handle a rookie quarterback, even if the line sucks and the receiver room isn't great, you still go get in the quarterback and, and you hope you can fill in the pieces around that guy. Because if you pass on the opportunity to get that face of the franchise, a true face of the franchise level talent at the most important position in the sport, you're going to be looking for a long, long time. So I would go Drake may over Caleb Williams in that scenario. There's the, the Caleb Williams stuff in terms of growing up. And I, I just, I talked to Matt castle on the next Pats podcast about this fellow USC guy, but even he would acknowledge you know, these moments where he's crying in the stands or he's not meeting with the media after losing to UCLA. These aren't deal breakers, but they are moments that are indicative of the fact that he still has some growing up to do and that he's maybe not accustomed to not having success because they thought they were going after a national championship this year. And it clearly didn't play out that way. I'm not sure I'm, I'm, diving in headfirst on the opportunity to draft a player who's not accustomed to adversity mm. because we just saw that yeah. and it didn't go great with Mac Jones. And so if Drake may, and I'm not saying Drake may is somebody who can handle it or Jane Daniels is somebody who can handle it or anybody else that's considered a, a first round caliber quarterback in this year's class is, is prepared to enter into a bad situation, which it looks like this will be here in new England in 2024. But if we know it's been difficult for Caleb Williams and there's another similarly talented guy there who offers a similarly elevated ceiling, I might be willing to go with that other guy. So I would lean May over Williams, but I think you have to take one of the two if either one is there for you at the top of the draft and you're the Patriots. Next Pat's podcast, Patriots Talk podcast with Tom Curran, Zolak and Bertrand, NBC Sports Boston, on TV, writing, anchoring, doing whatever they ask him to do. He's also a senator in his spare time. Uh, the man is busy. So I, I have to say I appreciate Phil joining us today. Phil Perry, it's been it's been great. I, I was before we came on, I was I was talking to Phil about his music career. And 
you know, I got a bongo in my closet. I was thinking maybe a bongo, Phil singing, fire pit, craft beer, but he's got three kids. I, I don't know how that's going to work out. Hey, you shove a, a few maracas in their hands, Nick. <laughs> they can hang. They can hang. Yeah, they might start bashing each other over the head with those things. But yeah, I, I like that that scenario you just painted for us. You know, I, I think a bongo and uh, the voice of an angel <laughs> together. I think we can make something beautiful happen. So let's figure that out. Let's get that on the books. Love it. He's Phil Perry. I'm Nick Cattles. It's the uh, Nick Cattle Show here on YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe. Hopefully everybody enjoyed this. Uh, I will be back tomorrow without Phil, unfortunately. I'll be back solo. Until then, uh, have a good night, and we'll talk then. It's the Nick Cattle Show.